right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect anything different. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. Uh, I was corrected already once. This is not the Memorial Tournament recap. This is the U.S. Women's Open recap podcast. We're going to talk some about the Memorial. Um, Appreciate that. A lot of apologies going around this week. <laughs> I t- a lot of non-apologies. I'm looking forward to you to walking that one back I, in about 15 minutes. I told you this was the Memorial Tournament <laughs> recap podcast. Uh, a lot to talk about from the past week in golf. A lot of it happened in the middle of the week. I actually, looking at our notes, I don't even think we talked about NCAAs. We didn't even put NCAAs oh down. Oh my which, gosh. That seems like it was a month ago. It does. Um, we are going to talk about uh, Jung-Yun Lee Six, who just won the U.S. Women's Open by two over Lexi Thompson, Angel Yin, and So Yun Yu. Uh, it wasn't the best day of golf today. It wasn't the most exciting, I would definitely say. It was the U.S. Open. It was, um, yeah. Yeah, it, it, you know, the the fireworks, I think, you're is what you're alluding to. There were, it wasn't a crazy close tournament. wasn't a lot of dramatics down the stretch, but very fun to watch uh, Country Club of Charleston. Without a doubt. Yeah, I mean, that was, that was fun to see that on display. And we're going to talk a bit about, uh, you know, why that was important, why that was especially interesting golf course to watch and kind of how that ties into men's events and a lot of stuff here. Um, we're going to talk some Hank Haney, of course. Obviously, that's what we referenced at the top of the show. I just I don't want that to be the lead story. I know it shouldn't it's, be. You know, it's yeah. everyone's instinct, though, as soon as. Of course, a, a Lee happened to win the U.S. Women's Lee Open. Six. Lee Six. Yeah, he didn't predict that part. Lee so. Six. She was the only player in the field to break par all four days. How about that? It's That's always impressive. The- she was so good. Um, and, and you know, we we have a lot of uh, some LPGA stuff that's going to come out actually with the runner-up uh, this week, Angel Yin. She made a hell of a run at it. Uh, self-proclaimed longest hitter on the LPGA tour. Uh, we went up. Self proclaimed a lot of things. Yes, <laughs> you're going to see in the video. Uh, Tron and I went up and played Hazeltine with her, which is where the KPMG Women's PGA is going to be uh, the week after the U.S. Open. Uh, we did a podcast with her too, so you're going to learn a lot more about her. It was cool. She made a great. She was the only one that really made a run at it on Sunday. But, um, but yeah, I, we we flipped a little bit back and forth between the the U.S. Women's Open and the Memorial, and it was pretty easy to just to stick with the U.S. Women's Open. We're going to get to some of that though. But yeah, Country Club of Charleston. How cool was it to watch that golf course? I do. I resent your comment that she was the only one to make a run. Jarena Pillar, a couple late bogeys. She made a run until she didn't. Yeah. She was. She, she ran out of breath. She had to five under and then yeah. kind of stumbled home. So sure. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> I appreciate the apology. Uh, but yeah, Country Club of Charleston. What did you guys think? I thought it was great. I mean, what did you think? Let's start at the beginning. You're, you're the one who's you been there. It. You played it. Uh, why was it important? Why was this week important? Why was it circled on the calendar? Well, that's why I wanted to ask you guys first, though, is because I didn't know if it was extra cool just because I'd been there a couple months before and watching them go back through it, knowing the property and stuff. I, that's why I was curious. Did it stand out to you guys on TV? The most fun part for me, at least today, was hearing you tell us where Neil hit it <laughs> on all of those different holes. <laughs> on every part three. Who was it? Boutier? feet over the green. She yeah. went long on uh, long on 10. I was like, well, Neil was Neil was here no more. <laughs> and then she got it up and down. It was like got it up and down. Most gross up and down I've ever seen. And then Lexi hooked it in the bunker on the reverse for Dan, the 11th hole. And uh, I was like, guys, I'll give you I'll give you one guess as to where Neil also hit this <laughs> Which was, That was also a really good bunker shot. That was. Uh, no, I, I loved it. I thought it was a fantastic course. Flat sight, but so much scale and uh the conditions were like it was i mean the ball was rolling the greens were not holding shots which i think is especially interesting to watch the ladies play just because they don't 
put as much spin on the ball. And uh, there was, I thought Fox did a good job with some of the camera angles too. You know, I think it's it's obviously tough to make a flat course in really really bright sunlight appear like to catch all the little nuance and stuff. Um, but some of the vantage points where they had, you know, the bridge in the background and all the, the, the low angles on the approach shots to catch, to like to pick up the false fronts. I thought all that was great. Yeah. It's, it's hard to make a flat course look interesting, like you're saying, but it's also hard to make the parts of that flat golf course, like really shine. Like what, yeah. it's what they did when we were, we were kind of having beers and watching on Friday uh, with that gnarly pin on on eleven, and just seeing like the, where the camera angle was, and granted, it was because a lot of people kept coming up short, and so they were kind of shooting from the exact perfect spot straight up that hill, and it was spectacular. Just like the people we were watching with don't watch a lot of women's golf, and or are, are really like a lot of golf that would go to a golf course like that. And well, I think let's they were kind of just like holy shit! Like that is, is that all the green? Like what is that hole? Yeah. That's insane. Friday was Friday was awesome. It that was. was the best golf of, of the week. Let's put it in context. We were having like a meeting over here, and the the golf was on mute, and like we and like six or seven times during the meeting, we have to be like, whoa, 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 go back to that, go back to that, go back to that, go yeah. watch that. And I, I tell you, it has a lot to do with just the ball rolling, like the yeah. ball rolling the on the ball green. gets on the ground. They're not in control of it. And all bets are off. And I, it was the shot we watched today. I forget if it was, I think it was Boudier on the sixth hole, the par three. Uh, she's trying to go at the pin and it misses just to the right. And it takes the slope and goes way down far to the right. And I then flipped over to the Memorial and watched somebody miss a green by a yard and it stop in the heavy rough right next to the green. I was like, which one of these is more interesting to watch? The next shot, and I can tell you the answer was it's the. What? Well, I would say Cat would disagree with you. Well, I hope he does. Like he should be uncomfortable. <laughs> Based at, on his comments, he wants gouging out sideways and ball not rolling at all away from the greens. Well, that's that's fine. We want the pros to be uncomfortable. We're going to get in the USGA. I pool. thought I thought Celine Boudier's bunker shot on eighteen today, like last shot of tournament, where it, it comes up short and then it rolls back <laughs> off the green. I didn't see that coming. Like, Unfortunately, she had a few more shots of the tournament after yeah. that bunker shot. Yeah. <laughs> that was sweet, though. That was not. There was a lot of, like, I, I forget who hit it, but yeah, there's a lot where you can see it land a foot off the green, like we're saying, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, God. Oh, my God. I can see what's going to happen here. This is going to start picking up speed, and then it does, and yeah, it was great. Why don't we go to the first, uh, why don't we go to the first voicemail we have, and then uh, let's get through some of these other topics we have to discuss, Stay, sticking with this tournament. Hey, guys, this is Brian in Washington, D.C. I know DJ is retired from coverage takes, but would love the rest of your thoughts on this. I parachuted into the Women's U.S. Open cold on Sunday and couldn't believe how much better the broadcast was. For one, it was commercial-free, which obviously is not something you can do every week. But they started the broadcast with a five-minute video showing the most important holes on the course, those, the holes that they modeled those holes on after uh, on historic courses, and a short summary of options the players have to play these holes. Yeah, the announcers then referred back to that video as the final groups approached the holes, and then the Fox Sports Twitter put it up as well around that same time. And so just like that, I knew which shots were good or bad, which misses were really actually trouble, and that was on a course I couldn't have told you the first thing about before the broadcast. So I don't want to blow up CBS like we do every week, but given the choice between Blimp Tracer and actual information about the course, I know which I prefer. Thanks. Excellent caller. Excellent. Usually we, we don't let lo- that long-winded of a caller come on, but I feel like it was it important. Clearly it put some thought into it. Yes, and it was important to hear somebody else say this that, other than just ourselves. But I appreciate you respecting my retirement. 
respecting my privacy. Which we are going to talk about that. It's such a decision. Bullshit is what it is because he don't turn your guns on me. He sits here the whole time. Oh, this is conjecture. All day today, not true. Playing into CBS. This is assassination of character. Every time we flipped over, he's like, "Oh, they're in commercial. They're in commercial." I would never do that or say that. It's disgusting. We told him this is bald faced lies. We're no longer fair. Every time we did switch over, they were commercial. Fair, which is why we bring it up every week. But DJ puts it all on us to be the heroes here. And then when like the seventh or eighth, (laughs) that's what I think a lot of people think of you guys as when you're going off. Those heroes are on the radio again. Hold on, we switched it over the seventh or eighth time, and it wasn't commercial, but it was on. It was this long. Slow mo <laughs> montage of the of the animals at the Columbus Zoo, the flamingos and the leopards and all that stuff. One time it was the Aeon Risk Reward Challenge that we flipped back to. One time it was Jack in the booth. It was well, very it, rarely golf. But again, so I don't think, and we're going to talk a lot about just LPJ golf as a whole. I don't think we're going to sit here and argue per se that LPJ golf is more exciting than watching PGA Tour golf. But the presentation and how it's wrapped, like this week, it was the biggest no-brainer imaginable. Like I didn't, I flat out didn't want to watch the PGA Tour because of how good the LPGA broadcast is. So imagine, but like, that was that was the Fox U.S. Yeah, Open broadcast. It wasn't correct, really, relation to like uh, it, it was gender neutral. I would say. Well, I agree. Yeah. I'm, I don't want this point to sound like we love the LPGA and hate the PGA Tour. That's not the point. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say that the LPGA Tour golf is more exciting than PGA Tour golf. But in this way, this is why we talk about how important broadcasts are. Like for viewing pleasure today, it was an absolute no-brainer, I thought. Yeah, and I think a lot of that was... And the golf wasn't that great today. No, it wasn't. But I think a lot of that was kind of work that had gone into it ahead of time. That, you know, I mean, you and Neil went there. You guys made a video. I know Andy Johnson did a lot of cool work about the golf course and just learning a lot of it ahead of time, like, got me legitimately excited to go, you know, watch this tournament. And so that helped a lot. And I I know, you know, our audience is, is what it is, so I don't know what impact that has kind of on the telecast in general, but everything I saw, man, I, I know that you tweeted something about, uh, basically, and this is not a coverage take cause I'm, I'm <laughs> quoting you, but you, you, you basically said, you know, this commercial free telecast, which at no point here, are we, are we insisting that all telecasts be commercial free? Like I get that this is a, a one-time thing and it's, it's whatever, which I still don't know how it works, but continue. I don't know how it works either. I know <laughs> it's that's like a great four point. main partners that like, what, you know, those, those partners that pay a bunch of money for, you know, a lot of it's for the rights to the U.S., you know, the men's yeah. open, but yeah. they pay a lot of money and they get a lot of exposure out of it. Yeah. And it's clean. Well, I know who, I mean, it's cool to like to know that Rolex was responsible for that today, you know, <laughs> like Randy's hitters rather than just being kind of beaten over the head with, with ads that you're tuning out. Anyways, you had a tweet that was basically like this telecast on Fox is pointing out just how much of a commercial problem we have over on, you know, the worldwide leader uh of entertainment or whatever they're called <laughs> it's not espn uh what are they called the america's something network or, america's most the, watched now america's most watched network sorry uh the the tiffany long-winded the, the point i'm making is that bring all, it home bring it home all the replies to that were basically like yeah dude i stopped changing the channels i'm watching women's golf i'm doing this like this is exactly right and like i'm sure that this is a blip in the the grand scheme of things as far as ratings are concerned but I mean, it's a it's a start, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, I think bottom line for me today, I felt like, or this whole week, I felt like I was watching golf. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't exactly. matter like, all right, I'm gonna turn from the men to the women. No, like I just think this is just more interesting golf to watch. I don't really give a shit who's playing. I think I we've talked about earlier. I think I even preferred the FS1 stuff on Thursday, Friday to the weekend stuff. Yeah. It just had like players are spread out more evenly on the golf course. You're seeing different parts of the course, and it was just had a little bit better flow to it. 
Plus, um, there was carnage on eleven. With yeah, the front band. but uh, so the sick. whole the kind of tying in Country Club of Charleston with you know the broadcast and everything is like you can't go to a course that's really interesting like this that isn't point A to point B golf course, which is what we heard on the <laughs> Memorial broadcast this week. Uh, you can't go there and not tell the viewers about the golf holes, and this is what happened with Trinity Forest. I think they kind of treat it like every other golf course on tour. And they don't explain to you why it's better to be on one side of the fairway, why it's better to be on the other. I think for the men's game, a lot of that stuff does get lost a bit because of how far they hit it. But with this golf course, it was they did such a great job of saying, like, no, you need to be on the left side of the fairway to reach this pin. And they showed you views of, like, what players are looking at and what they can't get to. And like you were saying, Tron, the ball rolling out, hitting green and rolling out, that mattered into the design of the hole and how the tournament played out. Like, watching Boudier, I mean, she played amazing. But watching her come down the stretch, we just didn't feel good about her chances because she was coming in from way too far away right. and wasn't able to like you know get carry some of the bunkers to get to some of the pins and whatnot. And I think a lot of times when you start talking about this, it can get people can roll their eyes and think it's all like architecture talk. But a lot of it is it's if strategy. You, if you do well, it's strategy. But it, exactly, if you do a better job of telling the story, I think it just it makes you realize how much better the shots are that you're yes. seeing. And it makes you more of a, an educated fan. It makes you even more appreciative of the product in the first place. And like, man, I love watching this golf because I can tell how good these players are. So when Boudier was hitting it into 16, right, with this crazy, funky lion's mouth green that boomerangs around this bunker, Faxon was doing an awesome job on there. He said, this is, she put herself in the wrong spot in the fairway. This is going to be such a hard shot because of the angle that she has. She has to bounce it in the exact right spot. And he's saying all this as the ball's in the air. And then she hits it in the exact same spot. And she rolls it to three feet and misses the putt. <laughs> she rolls it to three feet. And you're like, holy shit. God, now I, I realize like how good of a shot that was. That was exactly. so cool. It's better than just like he's got 185. And, and it's in the air. Oh, and it, it landed and it rolled out. Isn't it? Three oh, inches. But this is some of the things that are afforded when you are commercial free. Like you have more time to sit there and well, have totally. a well, yeah, Not only commercial free, but but also, you know, all the different times they cut in and out of a little promo here, right. or promo there. Or I think Billy Horschel, not to pick on him, but Billy Horschel, I, I don't know if this was a week ago or two weeks ago. He clapped back at somebody and was like, well, yeah, but like our purses are so much bigger and like we need all these commercials oh, so it was to about pay the, for that. It was about the NCAAs. And yeah, Sally, I think, again, not a coverage take. I'm quoting Sally. <laughs> Sally had said, this is what a telecast looks like when you don't have a million partners to... I said a million obligations. Obligations, which is your, your Aon Risk Reward Challenge, your FedEx Cup updates, your ceo visits yeah, your, and, all that shit and this is the part where i want to clarify that i you know a lot of stuff gets directed at cbs i think there are separate issues with them but this in particular is directed at the tour as of like what they've turned the product into and like what goes into like even on golf channel what goes into all the things you have to check off and do and this and this promo and this blah 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 which when you took all that out and just showed NCAA golf it was like being on what i imagine crack to be like <laughs> well then, so at some point the the whole point it's is at some review. point save what save that with what I imagined <laughs> with Horschel. It's like, yeah, man, like we get that. We, we get it. Like the purses are freaking huge. Of and course. You gotta pay for that somehow. But like at some point it's just going to choke itself out. Exactly. Well, and there's just, no long term view here where it's like the, the sponsors aren't getting a return on their investment. Exactly. The, the, uh, you know, like the viewers are, are tuning out. So, you know, ratings are going to go down. Like it's, and then, and then the tour is, is basically trying to supplement this with, with, getting millennials and getting all that 
you know, live under par stuff involved and, and broadening the demographic. But it's like, you can't do that if the product itself just sucks. Yeah. Well, that's the whole thing is, yeah, it turns into, you know, with the, all these great partners, like we're able to play for the purses that we can play for. I'm like, yeah, like respectfully, like, I don't give a fuck what you guys play for. <laughs> like, that's the whole point though. Right. Like, and if enough people feel like that, like, yeah, it's going to be really easy. Dude, Solly and I were saying on the couch today, I'm like, you know, what seems like kind of an issue and this is not like a shot at anybody but it's like what seems like an issue is like i have no interest in the memorial today and i love the memorial. <laughs> i know me too like my i've been there a bunch i love the golf course and, and you're and no, i'm just like dude i don't really care in your defense you said you'd have no interest in who actually wins it not no no yeah. interest in the golf tournament yeah that's true that's true yeah Save did it. i i think, I think I that's know. what yeah. you meant yeah that's what i meant <laughs> but it was i i felt i mean i was more and maybe i'm just a sicko but like you know, I don't know. The web tour was going on. There's all sorts of stuff going on. I watched the Belgian knockout this morning. That was um, weird. Well, and that's right. If, yes. we, if we really get back to the crux of the coverage take retirement, that was the point. It was like, dude, you know what? I'm retiring because I'm not going to just like keep watching this. I'm not going to keep like yeah. saying the same shit over and over. I'm just going to not watch it. Because why would I like keep putting myself through this? Well, and going, well, you going keep back, doing it and you keep talking about well, it before we it turn the microphones like, on. But going back <laughs> to, to the... The larger point stands. The you know watching women versus men today. I was like, no, like I, or or watching the the, the NCAA's earlier this week. It's like, no, like I just want to watch golf. Yeah. And at some point, what the PGA Tour telecast has devolved into isn't golf. It's just it's watching sporadic shots presented in a pretty you know orchestrated manner that feels like you're so far removed from the tournament that it, it's you know, you're almost watching through the looking glass, which is know? a really jarring statement because the level of golf that's being played out there is i don't know how many x higher oh my God. than everything else but we're you talking lose so about. much appreciation oh, for sure. you're exactly. So far removed. exactly without yeah, exactly. a doubt yeah uh we're gonna do something we're gonna do it live okay we're oh, gonna do okay. this live and uh this is almost Play unprecedented what does that um, mean it was another major victory on sunday for our friends at callaway uh callaway staffer jungyun lee six had in the bag all 14 Callaway clubs to take home her first major and first LPGA win. Epic Flash Driver, Epic Flash 3-Wood, which I think I said this week, maybe my favorite club I've ever owned, ever. Oof. We're going to unpack that a little bit Sheesh. at some point. Apex Hybrids, uh, which I think Tron is going to hopefully be having in the bag soon as he moves towards this LPGA setup. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, Apex Pro 19 Irons, Mac Daddy 4 Wedges, and Odyssey O-Works 2-Ball Putter. Strong week off the tee. She was top 10 in the field in both driving distance and accuracy with that Epic Flash. Callaway was the number one driver brand at the U.S. Women's Open, led by that Epic Flash. 38 Epic Flash models in play at the major and have, has the most wins of any driver model in 2019. And a great week on the greens with her Odyssey 2-ball as well as Odyssey dominated the count at the major. 64 putters in play. No other brand had more than 33 of those. And they have won all six major counts across the PGA, LPGA, and Champions Tour this year. That's Is that a good stats for you. That's a good driver count to win. Yeah. It is, no doubt. Because I feel like that's a lot more relatable to what our swing speeds are. Dude, there were a couple. DJ and I swing there were a are. couple times where I think Jay Marie Green, uh, which I don't want to get her in trouble. I don't know if she's an official staffer or not. We'll say the, the ad. ad we'll say the done. ad reads over. <laughs> uh, but yeah, looking like her caddies, her caddy and her are walking up the fairway, and I'm looking at her clubs. And I'm like, fuck. I think that's like. I think we have the exact same setup. <laughs> that's like exactly the clubs that I play, uh, which is kind of, which is cool. And that's what like it, it bears repeating, but I mean, people say it all the time that like, and I don't want to pretend like I watch a ton of LPGA golf. I watch 
pretty much the majors. Uh, if I'm if I'm being like majors, Portland's always good. Uh, the ones that they have out on the West Coast, San Francisco, yeah. and uh, L.A. that they had at Wilshire this year was really good. But that's it's what you hear from everybody. It's like God, it's so much more relatable, and that's why seeing them bouncing the ball up and seeing all that stuff is like, man, that's. It's just cool to see, and we yeah we don't don't want to come off as preachy that we're LPGA no, experts. No, 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 like no. I think we're pretty honest that we're not experts. We but the parts that we keep kind of we're unpacking making an effort to get and better. uncovering, yeah. like we have really enjoyed, and we got some more. It's also, stuff yeah, coming. it's fun when you go out and they say, "Hey, like, what can we help you with?" Yeah. Or like you, it, you're pleasantly surprised every single time. They make you go all out. of their top players. They like schedule the podcast interviews for us, like with their top <laughs> most marketable players. It's it's well, kind of nuts. And the players are so gracious, and they're and they're all like, I think it's kind of an indictment on you know a lot of the I don't know if it's just the media or you know fans being interested, but like they all have if not more interesting stories than the PGA Tour guys, at least just as interesting stories, and they don't oh, get totally. told, you know. Yeah. And back to the relatable point, I think, uh, you know, one of the things we've, we've always taken is when you play a pro-am, like in the LPJ, like you play the same tees as them. So like, you're literally playing the same game. They're obviously inc- like way better than you, <laughs> but like you play the exact same game and just get like an exhibition. That's why, again, that's why that was so fun to watch. And I think the, the gap between like amateur, normal amateur male or female play and like men's professional golf at the highest level is like keeps growing wider and wider and wider. Yeah. So yeah. On that note, let's get to the next question because I think it kind of leads us there. Nate Carr, an Alaskan calling from Hawaii to talk about South Carolina. Why can't the USGA get it right for the men, but they can get it right for the women? That's all I have. I'll hang up and wait for hours. <laughs> Shout out to Nate Carr. Carr for the course. You've probably seen him on, on Twitter or Instagram. Golf think, with your kids. I think, yeah, that's a great question. Why do they get it right for the women? And uh, I'll let you guys start with this one. There's got to be a much lower variance right between the women where they're just you know like they they are putting less spin on the ball it's it's, it's just easier to set up a course for them yeah, and it's, it's harder for them to they can decimate to, a course they can go to better venues too to be honest i mean because of that yeah yeah well i think inter- like internally they have to like look at this how great this week went um and then they'll also look and be like fuck what have we done with the golf ball to like prevent like a men's tournament from playing out like that? Because it goes so far and it spins so much that none of the shots that mattered out there would matter to Dustin Johnson or Brooks Kepka, And they have to do these extreme things to the golf course to present this challenge. And that's why they continue to go over the edge because the technology is insane. Quick sidebar on that. And I know the inherent irony of us discussing this while also doing an ad read for an equipment company, but it's it's very it's like going back to I read Jonathan Wall's article about Tiger and the golf ball back in was that 2000, 2000. he was testing all those golf balls out mm-hmm. and the alarm bells that should have been going off back in two thousand at USGA headquarters when you know and you've read the one about Billy Andrade winning in Las Vegas that right. week and then all the other ball you know like all the ball manufacturers just making those giant leaps back then it's just it's insane that like. Nobody, it's gone yeah. unchecked yeah. since that day. You know? In defense of us reading ads and also discussing this, <laughs> I think I don't want to speak for everyone. I'm pro bifurcation in this room. And I think that, that, yeah, totally. that the technology has ruined the game at the highest of high levels. I still think it is helping a lot of people like us. <laughs> yeah, I think room. my handicap's higher than, than it <laughs> was like what, 10 years ago. So. But like the no, angles and stuff of yeah. what, like the course we just watched would still matter to all of us a heck of a lot more than it would to the or top level. Or if the pros could go out, like if the, if the men could go out and play that course, Although that brings up another point too, where 
watching it on Friday with that front or frontish pin on 11 on, on the reverse for Dan, like I guarantee you the men would have bitched about that. Oh, for sure. All for day. sure. So it's, I think, I think to a certain extent, and this is, we talked with Matthew Fitzpatrick a little bit about this at dinner at, at the Charles Schwab challenge. It was like, there's like, there are, there's so little willingness to just play the golf course as it's presented to you. All these guys want to have a say in it. They have a very distinct opinion on what's fair and what's not when the whole freaking field is playing the same, same course. And I get the, you know, I get sometimes that there's, there's different draws, there's different wins or whatnot, but for the most part, it's like, I think half the field would have bitched about the the green on 11 this week and the pin placement on Friday. And I don't think you, I don't think you heard a single peep. Well, I ladies. think the greens would have probably been that different. Off, ben Hogan. <laughs> yeah, yeah right. that was disgusting. Hogan said they should take five sticks of dynamite to the 11th green, which is absolutely sick. But I think the the point the 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 not to defend the the male pros here because I think we're going to talk some about the the article the Golf Digest article that came out this week about all the the uh, the anonymous tour pros going in which not that hard to figure out what a lot of those players <laughs> Just were by the way. Just put your name to it. I know. But uh, I think like that green they would have baked out even for like even harder for the men and it, it becomes I think they they do There's have such a, a fine line. I think the they men. they do have a point to a certain extent. Not to jump too far ahead in the conversation here but Certain times at the U.S. Open, it seems like a average shot and a good shot and a great shot all in could end up in the same spot because you've made it almost impossible to hold a green in some way. And there's not necessarily a lot of strategy that goes into it. And that part of a, the competition kind of dilutes things a little bit. And, and that's that's the extent to which I'll defend the pros on. I, I love seeing still a dividing line in where like a great shot is rewarded better than an average shot. And I think sometimes that's where it gets lost. And that's where they say it's unfair. And that's where I, I think Mike that. Davis kind of copped to that at Shinnecock last year. Even just just reading the the Golf Digest piece that you mentioned, there was a lot of talk in there about what happened on Saturday at Shinnecock, which I think all of us as a viewing experience thought was absolutely delightful. But <laughs> to play that golf course, I think they had a very different experience. And that was his whole point. It was like, you know, I think he said... Like if if we could have a mulligan, we would have slowed those greens down a little bit because they just got too unfair. And you really saw some good shots, not only, you know, not only not being rewarded, but actually being punished. And yeah, when it gets like that, then I, I agree. I think they do have. No, a, I get it when point. they when they systematically fuck up a golf course like that's. <laughs> yeah, that's totally. I mean, I, you know, you look at what the RNA could have done to Carnoustie last year, but they practiced some restraint. They were just like, hey, you know, eight under is going to win or 12 under is going to win or whatever. Um, but I, th- I think with the USGA, it's just part of it is the players are almost expecting to like it, it's almost fatalistic, right? Like almost begging the USGA. They're, they're, they're mad before they even show up. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I get- well, it's become OK to, for like, it, yes, it, they're the USGA is like a whipping boy now. Yeah. Where they can just why don't we get to Hank Haney first and we'll come back yeah, to the USGA because okay. we got All another right. voicemail on that one. Let's so let's go to this one next. Hey guys, this is Colin from Old Forge, New York. Um, I've been boiling over at the casual racism on golf Twitter this week. Um, of course, Hank Haney is one thing and has been repudiated, um, but all the defenders of him and uh, those who insist that he is in the right are frustrating me so much. I'm wondering if you have any takes on the casual racism that pervades golf Twitter. Happy to hear. All right, let's just go right into caller two here. Hey, guys. This is Low Energy Randy from Jack's Beach. So how the fuck does Hank Haney get suspended for being right? 
Take it easy. All right, so there you go. That's pretty much the two sides of the argument there. Why don't we, uh, in case you happen to have missed this story this past week, uh, let's just go through it uh, somewhat as quickly as I can. On his radio show this week, uh, when the topic of the U.S. Women's Open came up, Haney said, I'm going to predict a Korean. That's going to be my prediction. I couldn't name you like six players on the LPGA Tour. Nah, maybe I could. Well, I'd go with Lee. If I didn't have to name a first name, I'd get a bunch of them right. I don't know. Lexi Thompson, Michelle Wieshurt. I don't know that many. Where are they playing, by the way? And this continues uh, on to an apology that he later makes on Twitter, uh, where he says, This morning I made some comments about women's professional golf and its players that were insensitive, and that I regret. In an effort to make a point about the overwhelming success of Korean players on the tour, I have I offended people, and I am sorry. I have the highest respect for the women who work so hard to reach the pinnacle of their sport, and I never meant to take away from their abilities and accomplishments. I've worked in the game with men and women players from many different cultures, and I look forward to continuing to do so. So that that happens. That shitstorm happens uh, <laughs> earlier in the week. And uh, it turns out after Lee Six wins, he goes back to Twitter. <laughs> Haney would continue. <laughs> he says, my prediction that a Korean woman would be atop the leaderboard at the Women's U.S. Open. It's not what it's called. But Hank Haney took <laughs> to social media. <laughs> was based on statistics and facts. Korean women are absolutely dominating the LPGA tour. If you ask me again, my answer would be the same, but worded more carefully. And then he's not to be denied. He goes back for one more. Congrats to Jungyun Lee six spelled her name wrong on your great win at the U S women's open. Who's the great predictor now, Steve Johnson. I knew a Lee would win. Okay. Where do you want to start? Lots of unpack here. Where do you want to start? You're driving the ship. I think the last caller there he's like is he like Lee wasn't right let's not give him that like you don't you don't get to he didn't that's not being right like predicting a Korean to do well at the US Women's Open is not even a prediction like that's not a take well, like when you start your take with I don't know where the, I don't know what course they're playing I couldn't name you six players in the tour like I I I want to be straight up I've always always liked Tank Haney always felt bad for him because of the popsicle thing the tiger um <laughs> You know, I know Randy's a huge fan well, of his. Well, we spent some time with the, him. Like, he's yeah, been he's an a, awesome guy, and I actually really, really, really love his radio show. Yeah. Like, I listen to it all and the time. And he kind of, he's off the cuff, and so I get that yeah. that's kind of his shtick. And he turned Randy onto voodoo cream, which you'll see a lot of in, in Torosaw season three. Um, but man, like, the whole thing is just, like, you, you dug yourself the whole, apologize for it, just let it go, leave it be, stop. Like stop digging, man. It's it's uh, actually I thought Club Pro guys Q and A with Jerry Foltz was really good. Do you think we're at a weird place in uh, journalism? Would <laughs> Club Pro guy get serious? Yeah, that was bizarre, yeah. man. I, I I do want to give a shout out to Jerry Foltz, who's the one that aired this out. Which I don't think this would have kind of caught the steam that it did if it wasn't for that. Um, I just think it's like. I'm so past it being cool to just be like, oh, women's go- who cares? Yeah. Like, who cares? Like, if you if you sat down and watch it and you truly don't enjoy it, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that you should enjoy it. But like, if your job is to talk about golf on the air, it's not to like act like golf. You're too cool for the LPGA. And then like, and then especially when you're referencing, oh, I teach women too. Yeah. Well, all right, cool. You should be as well versed in the women's <laughs> yeah. game then too. You know, and not even know the name of the course that they're going to. I mean, again, I know it's kind of off the cuff and. It, I'm not going to stand by everything we've ever said on the podcast. And I'm sure there's definitely things we'd like to have back. I think that's my thing is like, dude, you fucked up. Like everybody fucks up. And there's apology. And I I don't want to scrutinize apologies. And it seems like I'm very much part of the PC police on that. But 
I always look for when I see an apology is like, are you apologizing for what you did? Or are you apologizing for getting caught and that people are <laughs> right. mad? And he was like, I'm basically sorry that said, you got mad about this. Yes, that's where he was definitely ending up. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, okay, you're definitely not sorry if you also doubled down on it today. And don't take a victory lap that, <laughs> that a Lee won. First of all, this was Lee Six. He did not predict that part. Uh, but you know the, that Lee Six was the next thing they got into on the legitimately which, on the radio. They're like, yeah, there are so many Lees, they started numbering them. Did you which, notice that? Which we should point out that it is kind of crazy that Jung Young Lee Six is her name is Listen, Lee Six because sure. she, she was the, she goes by Hot Six. She was the yeah. sixth player with that name on the Korean uh, LPGA tour, but like she's steer, well, like it's part of her brand. Too. It's yeah. like part she of she steers into it. it. Yeah, she yeah. seems to kind of uh, I don't know promote herself in that but way. I think or with likes Hank, it, so. it's just you know, it's like man, like you just own it move on like don't try to i don't know it just feels so it just makes everything else feel so disingenuous after the fact now too and then all the people that you know even when you make a joke about it even when you you kind of steer into it a little bit it's just you know it's like oh you guys are being pc like we're we're not all that pc on this podcast (laughs) We're, we're pretty loose and fast but on some level i think it goes back to like hey like we just we respect people who play the game of golf yeah. and we like like it's the it's our national championship for over half of the population. But the like, idea that's a big deal, guys. <laughs> the part that bothers me the most, and this is maybe where I'll get my like snobby guy did you guys know I used to live abroad, but like <laughs> like it kind In of Barcelona. <laughs> Cool sandwich, not as good as that one I had in Barcelona thirteen years ago. Uh but it's like cultures are different and people are from a lot of different places and the u.s is not the center of the world and i know like i'm maybe like the most america first guy when it comes to the u.s Ryder cup team but like just because somebody's from a different country doesn't mean that it's not a tremendous achievement for them to excel at this event or that it's it's totally like justified to generalize a group of people from a country that play a game or any it gets I don't know. We can get Learn so tied their up. Story. Learn their yeah. story. We can see this in engagement, though. It's like if we, if Lexi Thompson would have been near the top of the leaderboard, more people would have watched today. Like, like if she was leading. Yeah. Which then, nothing against Lexi Thompson. Yeah. I can't stand when Lexi yeah. Thompson is near the top of the leaderboard because I hate her swing. It makes me physically <laughs> uncomfortable. Everyone has their favorite players and whatnot, but the idea that just because people are from a different country, you shouldn't even bother to learn their name or know something about them. Like the more we've kind of learned about some of the Asian LPGA tour players, like the more they make us laugh and like they're more hilarious they are and they're going to be, they've been on the podcast and whatnot. Then it's, I don't know, there's a, there's a lot more to it than just like, oh, I don't even, nobody on that tour speaks English. I think something that really stuck out to me is people including... <laughs> Shout out to Carolyn Bivens, Minji who is Lee. trying to make that happen. <laughs> people including Minji Lee is like, yeah, like she, dude, she's Australian. Yeah, like she's right. not even Korean. Right, yeah, And she exactly. has one of the best golf swings in the world. And... You know, people like, like like it's just it's just sheer laziness, I guess. It's like if, if you don't want to watch the LPGA tour, that's fine. Nobody's making you, but like that doesn't mean you need to shit on it either. And yeah. a lot of the best American players are of Asian descent as well. Like, and they're yeah. hilarious. Like a lot of the ones we've met have been hilarious, and they have personalities. And I just think it can get generalized with this like robotic, just because they don't speak as great English and they don't are not super comfortable being speaking outwardly in interviews in English, which is totally understandable. On that yeah. level, there's so many more of them that try their damnedest to speak like yes. they're, they're adamant about speaking english and they're really 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 so you and you yeah and they're really you know embarrassed about it but they want to speak the best english they can you have guys that you have guys in the pga tour that went to that went to college in the, in the united states and refused to speak in english in their post-round interviews which is the i'm not right. going to name any names yeah. but you know <laughs> i think on on hank there's a, a couple other things too i think i think you have to preface everything 
in this conversation because it gets so kind of like hot blooded so quickly. Uh, you have to preface everything with like, yeah, obviously I'm so against what he said. It was so <laughs> fucking stupid and d- insensitive and not nice. But to say like Hank Haney, like as a per, like he is a racist and a xenophobe and a sexist. I'm like, man, I don't know. I've hung out with him like a little, that was not the vibe I really got. But like, I think it's really hard to fill two hours of day uh, if golf talk. And I'm, this is not a pass for like a 60 year old man, you know, for uh, saying something that he definitely shouldn't have said. But a lot of it's like probably trying to fill too much airtime and slipping up with a brain fart and saying something. But him doubling down. I, ruins, no, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Okay. I'm getting there. <laughs> so doing all of that is like that. that's where I was kind of earlier in the week where I'm like, man, this. It just becomes like the, it's a monster. It's right? like it's commenting like on the comment on the comment. And I'm just like, fuck, I, this this thing just snowballs into the, like it, it just it, it loses value as like a discussion really quickly because it just jumps the shark so quickly. And then today happened and <laughs> it just was very like uh, it was kind of like the Big Lebowski when Walter's like uh, he's just keeps screaming like, am I wrong? Am I wrong? Am I wrong? about this very bad take and the dude finally snaps. He's like, you're not wrong. You're just an asshole. <laughs> and that's exactly how I felt about this. Where it's like, yeah, dude, it, it wasn't the prediction. That was the problem, man. <laughs> like, yeah. Like someone named Lee, if I had to make a bet, there was how many six in the field? Like statistically, that probably would have been a safe bet. Nobody's calling that. Like no one's like saying your math was off. It's the fact that you were a jackass about it. Like, how do you not see that? And that's where it's like, man, it's really, really hard to uh, hard to sympathize or like hard to be like, man, this guy's really getting a rough shake. Well, the 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 bright, I guess the brightest part about this, I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but I feel like this was like a rallying cry around women's golf. I agree. And it kind I of activated. Bamberger's column was really good. Yeah, it activated it. And, and the LPGA tweeted out an awesome picture of just like people from all different backgrounds saying we support everyone, you know, kind of a supportive message. And it went kind of nuts on Twitter. And it was just like, people probably were paying more attention to the LPGA this week because of this, these comments, unfortunate as it is. And we're going to get to kind of a topic of this, but like controversy is good for your sport, unfortunately, but it's the reality. Well, I think that was kind of, that's why I think I was feeling so weird about it early in the week was like hearing those comments. I'm like, man, I have like, I've definitely been around a lot of people who have said those exact, like that exact joke a lot. And I'm like, man, I did like, what do I do? Like, I don't really, I don't follow the game as closely as I should. And like, I'm not, I'm not going to get upset. Like, of course, again, I prefaced it with like what he said was not good. It was insensitive, all of that. But I'm like, man, the spirit of like not knowing the players and not doing your due diligence and all that stuff. I'm like, man, I can kind of, I can kind of see a little bit of that in myself and like that doesn't feel good and that makes me want to work a lot harder in like supporting not not only I've tweeted something that it's kind of a throwaway but it's like it's like dude there's there's just a lot everybody can do to like make people feel more included I guess and just shitting on like the biggest tournament of the year is not a way to do that right amen no yeah let's let's move mm-hmm. on okay. I don't think we need to I mean, all right, let's you know, go. I don't uh, want to dump on Hank anymore because I think he, you know, obviously fucked up. But it's like, hey, like, let's just poof, let's just move on, yeah. and like he can, he can make it right how he wants to make it right. You know, let's move on. Let's get circle back on our USGA discussion here with this call. Real quick, before we do that, can we talk about future U.S. Women's Opens ven- venues? Because sure. I, because I think that's instructive as yeah. we talk about 
all this stuff. So they're playing a country club of, or sorry, champions golf club in Houston next year, Olympic club, 2021 pine needles, 2022 pebble beach, 2023 Lancaster country club, 2024 Aaron Hills golf course, 2025 kind of feel like that's a missed opportunity. Right. It's necessarily to go back to, to like, yeah, to go back to some of these yeah. courses that have been left behind by the men's pro game and to go through those one more time. Sorry. Champions in Houston, Olympic, Pine Needles, Pebble Beach. Pine Needles would be sweet. Yeah. Pebble Beach would be great. Lancaster Country Club's really cool. Uh, and then Aaron Hills. Yeah, it's hard because I think it's a it's kind of a cool balance. I think one of my favorite things about the LPGA is obviously the telecast is like a gigantic part of what they do and and no bigger telecast than the U.S. Women's Open, I would assume. But I think what I like about it even more is the fact that like it almost feels like pre-telecast golf when not every you, you go to a PJ tour event everything there is driven by the telecast the signage the like the way the tee times are set up the way the groups are set up all of that is done with the telecast in mind whereas the LPGA feels so much more like it's like a fan experience it's like very throwback in a way that I really like never got to experience I was gonna say I miss it but like I never got to experience that on the PJ tour but it goes to like Lancaster Pennsylvania will be a community that like turns out Aaron Hills getting another tournament like will be people that will turn up I think Pebble Beach is like I, it seems like kind of a cool balance of yeah historical courses plus just like cool communities maybe I don't know <laughs> let's move on to this we kind of touched on the Golf Digest and USGA uh the shredding why don't you why don't you take us there Deej yeah so for those uh who might have missed this article basically Golf Digest I think it was Brian Wacker and John Huggin if I remember correctly uh got a 57 people they they say they interviewed 57 people uh 35 current players uh all of it i believe anonymous uh which we can talk about that in a minute but i think the headline here there there was a lot of headlines headline one is uh players fucking nuked the usga so if you're interested in reading that and some sort of like schadenfreude uh i would i would check that out that's uh it's quite an enjoyable read um just from a like sociology perspective just to see how how players act when they uh, don't have to put their name next to something. Uh, I think the other headline is that players were allegedly uh, some big name players were considering a boycott of the U.S. <laughs> which I can't even get through without laughing. We're considering boycotting the U.S. Open because the USGA was too mean to them uh, and taking away their national championship. So I'll turn it over to you guys. How likely is the fact that there was a legitimate boycott uh, in play? Well, how good would it have been if guys like, you know, Brian Gay and like, you know, Ricky Barnes are showing up and they're scabs. <laughs> we're boycotting this. No, dude, we're showing up. Like, it's a big ass purse. You know? I heard I heard a story from I'm guessing it was the pack meeting that was like based on this boycott thing uh, that a lot of that stuff came out of. And I won't name the player because I, I forget who told it to me, but they basically were like they were kind of kicking around this idea like. You know, if the purse is this and if they keep screwing this up, blah, 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 blah. Like, we're going to boycott. Like, who's with me? And I forget who it was, but they were sitting next to another. We'll, we'll call them a major champion uh, to keep in spirit with the article. And they were basically, he was like nudging him. He's like, dude, I'm definitely going to go. <laughs> like, if all these people stay home, like, I'm for sure 
for sure going to go. And uh, that always, I always thought that was pretty funny. It's like, you basically, like you said, you need 30 guys to be like, yeah, no, we're still, we're still going. Like, I, I want to win the US Open. It reminds me of that like, South apart. Park episode when um, they're like, we want some of that internet money. <laughs> <laughs> it's going west to find internet. Yeah. But it's like, what's the, like, what are your demands? You know, like what? Oh, they listed them out uh, explicitly in the, uh, in the article. A lot of it was so... But 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 even even the explicit demands, like I read the article, and even the explicit demands are like they're they're a little bit kind of onerous or vague or like like that. That's why I don't understand why the USGA is not like, all right, cool, like we're gonna put Mike Davis's head on a stake and serve it to you guys on a platter, and like that's our that's our offering, and cool, we we can come to the table and like we've showed you that we're willing to work with you guys now. Well, that's where it it turns into such a. Yeah, there's there's nothing like spe- super specific about it, and it 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 turns into this thing where it's just the U.S. I I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but like I kind of almost feel bad for the USGA, where it's like no matter what they do, like if they mess up the tiniest thing, it's just going to get blown out of proportion into into this like it's a pitchfork mentality. It is totally. Just, it, it, there's and it's a- everyone just kind of sitting on their toes, ready to like jump on them as soon as something goes wrong. Which like if something. What's the worst thing that's happened at the U.S. Open? What happened last one? Saturday at the U.S. Open got a little out of hand last year. Yeah. Imagine if that had happened at Augusta this year, like for whatever reason they lost the greens. Yeah, exactly. They're just so much more built in goodwill, which the USGA doesn't have. It would be like even when um, when what was the Wachovia now Wells Fargo, the year that they had the greens all messed up. The year Derek Ernst won. Yeah. Yeah. Phil even was like, I think they get a pass on it. Like they got, you know, they've been the gold standard of how to run a tournament. So it's it's not just players that want to, you know, jump all over a particular incident. It's like a, just a, you know, like black book, if that's yeah. the right word. It's of just all turned into a meme yeah. at this time. Well, it's like, like this it's... just overall vitriol that's not even directed at anything specific. And I think for me, it comes back to one thing. When you watch the British Open presented by Her Majesty the Queen. UK um, British Open. Can you name who sets up the course? I cannot. I mean, that, I know exactly. it's like, obviously it's the RNA, but it's yeah, nobody sir, knows. someone, yeah. but yeah, it's not, you know, I'm, I'm, I know Martin slumbers is, the, <laughs> he's bucking <laughs> his head around there somewhere. Is the, uh, is, is the head of the RNA or something. But I think that to me goes to show you cool. Like it's not, it's about the golf course and the golf tournament. It's not about, Hey, I'm Mike Davis and, and this is my golf tournament. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you want to read some of the quotes that, that came out? Well, of I just this? picked a couple of, a couple of my faves, uh, and so again, like none of these people were identified. Um, they they were given uh, total anonymity, which I don't know how you guys feel about, but let's talk about that in a second. This was from multiple PGA Tour winner uh, who said we <laughs> we had about ten or fifteen guys who were willing to sit out after 2016. So that was after the Dustin rules controversy, which was bullshit. controversy, of yeah. course. Some of them were big names. Dustin was one. Rory was another. Uh, and then another major champion. This is New Line. Another you know, descriptor of who's, who's talking another major champion and former world number one. I was prepared to do it. Take part in a boycott. Absolutely. So let's, I, let's just start there. Like legitimately, like, do you think people would ever would do that? Like, do you think Rory and Dustin and Phil and all these guys, like Phil, let's leave Phil out of it. Cause Phil, who knows what he would do, but I mean, do you think they would legitimately boycott the U S open? I think on the flip side, you're looking at guys that are so reticent to make any sort of, statement that looks political or costs them any cent of money to where i'm like you're gonna sit out the u.s open no no way man what here's what i where i cut back on this well what changed between 2016 and now that 
If you're gonna do a boycott, why didn't you just do it? Like they didn't make some grand major. <laughs> no, change. Exactly. I know Mike Davis isn't like in charge of course setup or whatever this year, but like, what what changed to make you not boy? No, that's like you were not gonna sit out the U.S. Open. I know you talked and, about and it. I think some of the monetary, some of the fiscal concerns or reservations or whatever, like that. That all right, all right, we we bring in this much money and all that. And some of that's like, all right, cool. Like golf in the United States is bigger than you are. Like you guys. How big is the FedEx Cup? Like, cool. You guys are you guys are a big leech on the game of golf, like <laughs> to a certain extent. Where you know, it's like I, I like I realize. And granted, the the top players in the world are vastly underpaid in relation to say the hundredth guy in the world is vastly overpaid. Like Rory and Dustin and Tiger and Phil, those guys are underpaid as far as purses go. Like yeah. they, you know, for what they generate for the game. But going further into that, it's like, hey, there's like golf is also bigger than you. It shouldn't be you know, that they devote a hundred percent of the revenues raised by the U S open to your right. purse. I do though think it was pretty jarring in that article and I don't have the totals in front of me. If I think it was what, $37 million a year that NBC was paying for. That's the exactly rights. what it was. $37 million with NBC and ESPN. And that bumped up to $93 million a year with Fox. And like the purse didn't go up. And the, the first, first well, that's, that's the, absurd. The player yeah. said originally we were getting about 25% of the TV money. NBC was giving to the USGA. Then we were getting about 10%. After that, and Rory, Rory went to Davis about that, and like directly, and had a meal with him and bitched about it. And the the purse went up two weeks later. And I've, I've and heard so a lot of people went to Jay about that too. Yeah, Monahan, and like I also think he, if the USGA, if people felt like too. the USGA was a good steward of that extra eighty three million dollars totally, or yeah. whatever, that or you know the extra, I guess was like it would be probably fifty to sixty million dollars extra. Yeah, like then every year, and yeah, yeah. Then, then cool. That wouldn't be that big of a deal, but right. like. The fact that, like, yeah, they're probably pissing it down the toilet. Oh, well, I got the rules change. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that helped. Yeah, that, that, was worth, that, was, that was worth $40, 50000000 million. And that rollout was so smooth. All, the, uh, all those consultants and <laughs> PR firms that worked There's on that. a great, a great anecdote in, in the piece uh, about basically how the USGA, like, was like, okay, cool. We heard your concerns. We're going to, uh, we're going to show you where all this money's going. And they brought out like, I think what somebody calls like a fifth grade pie chart. <laughs> and they're explaining like the breakdown. And there was all this like, like 20 some million dollars in other that they just like couldn't explain. They're like, yeah, it's just like, it's just like other, like that's just, it's just like <laughs> it's other like costs. administrative costs yeah. and stuff. Uh, so it's just a really funny, that's what I think the story is maybe best for. Cause a lot of that stuff is like, yeah, they were, th- they were thinking about boycotting. Like, no, they weren't. Come on. <laughs> Grow up. No, they weren't thinking about boycotting or they would have boycotted. But a lot of this is like there's just some really funny visuals that you can picture while you're while you're reading it. That's, I think, probably the most useful. thing. I think it also comes back to going back to course setup. Like what? Like, cool. None of this shit would be an issue if you guys just did something about the golf ball 10 years ago or yesterday or today or whenever. Like, just figure out. Figure it out, guys. Otherwise, we're going to keep going down this path and it's going to get more and more and more pronounced. Well, maybe they're it's sa- going to be that much finer of a line. Maybe they're saving uh, those that $50 million a year and just war chesting it for the legal fees against the manufacturers when they roll back the ball. Can I ask a question? That's playing the long game. Can I ask a question related to the uh, the source overall of this report? I want to. Sure. I want to. I'm definitely not uh, the the authors of this piece. That's that's not who this is directed at. But well, was one it, of them is a huge friend of the pod. Yeah. Was is it a little weird to you guys that going back and kind of what we talked about on a previous episode of the pod of Golf Digest being purchased by Golf TV, which is from what I understand at least essentially like an arm of the PGA Tour, that it was like this article, like a com- complete shot at the USGA. 
like a really, in the really, PGA Tour's yeah. best interest. really pointed shot at the USGA, which if this was a pointed shot at the PGA Tour, would no longer be published. Like it would not, it would definitely not be published in this regard. Did that bother anybody else at all? I don't want to get a conflict of interest like yeah, that's, bet that, off or whatnot. That might but, be too clever by half. There's a lot of, I think a lot of this was, I, I see what you're saying. I think, you know, having it, would it have been spiked if it was all about the PJ tour? Like that's kind of like the looming question about the whole golf TV. Listen, I'm here deal. for that combo. Oh, yeah. I'm very here for it. I think a lot of, I think one of my favorite quotes was like, <laughs> it was basically like everybody thinks the PJ tour is run like house of cards. What is actually run like veep. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think, that, I think there's a lot of, if, if people are big in the uh, premium cable uh, shows, I'm sure that'll ring true, but I don't know. I, I, I guess I, we're I gonna imagine, see. I thought it was weird. Like the day they got purchased, like golf. I just started tweeting about FedEx Cup rankings. Yeah. So well, I think so. For I think us, this was probably in the works. Like I for agree. How far ahead their issues yeah, were. For sure. I think that. the second half of your question is the more important one. Well, like, so if it was about the tour, would it have, would it have gotten yeah. spiked? Well, and I think like for us, our, our biggest conflict is probably like Callaway, right? Like we don't do anything disparaging for other equipment companies. We kind of joke about the PXG troops a little bit, but like, <laughs> but we don't, we don't make like targeted <laughs> strikes law. like this. And that's where it's kind of like all of the, the complications that have kind of come in the golf media world in the last few years. It's kind of, I don't know. I'm, I'm not, I don't want to treat this like a big political news bias. Yeah. But we're also issue. not like, we don't pull any punches when it comes to, all right. Like, Sergio made an ass of himself in Saudi right, Arabia. No, I just, or I, I he's mean, a Callaway staffer. Or actually, like targeted strike at an organization like this. I, I don't know. The source of it was just kind of. I just found it interesting. That, that's all. That's why I wanted to open that up for discussion. Yeah, that is. I, I think this. Like I said, I think the second half is more interesting. I don't think like the PJ Tour would never, ever, ever, to my knowledge, I would ever like go set out like no, on no, a no, strike that's not like what I meant. this. That's but, not what I meant. But I think the second half is more interesting, where it's like. If this was about us, if yeah. this was 50 anonymous tour pros talking about, you know, the FedEx Cup money not being distributed evenly enough. Right. Which would be a very stupid thread for them to start pulling. <laughs> uh, that, like, like would that get spiked? Like, that's super interesting. And that's something to keep an eye on. Oh, I mean, that, that would even get past level one, I don't and think. And if golf... I don't know. I think it will. I, oh, no. I'm, I'm, that's gone. I don't know. I don't think they... I'm optimistic that they couldn't have that much editorial control over... But also, I think with the PGA Tour, like looking back at the Kucher thing this week, where they basically tried to scrub that from the internet, the whole That's thing what I was getting with at. his, yeah. for whatever reason, he got to mark the ball on the fairway and the whole embedded ball scenario on, was that Thursday? Yeah. And uh, I mean, the PGA Tour can't even, can't even have a line of communication to their own social team. <laughs> I don't think that their recently bought digest acquisition. No, no, no. Is. Yeah, that's like a, I do not think the PJ Tour was in any way behind this report. Like that's not what I was getting at. It's I just think a it good was just question like, to ask for. Yeah, the future. it's like yeah. okay, well, the, you state know, run it's, media. It's yeah. kind of yeah, yeah, it's kind of off off limits to have anything by this publication run at them now that they are basically essentially. Yeah, it's just. A, I mean, it's kind of a coin flip, right? It's like if the if somebody doesn't buy it, I mean, the thing's been for sale for. A long time it basically got i mean we broke this down on another podcast i think right it got got bought for basically like pennies on the dollar of what it sold for in the early 2000s and there's a million reasons for that but it's like it's kind of like either you know someone like that buys it or maybe it goes away or maybe it gets turns into you know a shell of itself and the trade-off for it not going away is like okay now you're gonna have to deal with you know some bias questions on yeah. 
pretty much everything that goes out because that's that's but the deal along these lines and maybe like, most people don't care about that i know but like it's something to think about i yeah. mean it's not it's you know <laughs> tron even tweeting about you know golf.com not properly mentioning conflicts of interest like changed their policy almost immediately because they were not like mentioning I conflicts think, of interest i think the with craziest their, part for me is like we're not like we're three guys sitting around a table and i know we have a big microphone now and a big audience but like we shouldn't be the ones that have to point that out <laughs> so to you. True. Shout out to Justin Huber, one of our young hitters, yeah. who tweeted something about like the uh, who tweeted something about the the app was not showing like projected web oh, projected web, ranking for web the rankings for which is the, the twenty five. The only tour that that matters for. <laughs> By the end of the day, it was up. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, people golf so small. Like people listen when. When you complain. Well, so uh, putting my conspiracy theory hat back on, I think specifically related to this Listening. issue with golf TV and like which now owns golf digest, you know, which has a partnership slash content agreement in some way, shape or form with tiger woods, who is represented by Mark Steinberg, who also represents Matt Kuchar. Matt Kuchar has a pretty embarrassing rules incident pop up is all over the television gets posted on social media and then all of a sudden disappears from social media. Why do we think that got pulled down from social media? Can we connect the dots yeah, here? One call, that's all. Steinberg. <laughs> <laughs> like, is this a good thing, like for golf, like with them to be in like a media deal with each other? That you know, I mean, Tiger runs. Mark Steinberg runs a show because he runs access to Tiger Woods, and like, I mean, guys, this is late stage capitalism. This is what Kuchar, Randy and I've been talking all, about the whole time. Kuchar is wearing Steinberg's ass. You see? Out this, year. <laughs> <laughs> this is what the third major. Fiasco. Also, Kuchar this like year. He's in a contract year if he was a baseball player. <laughs> he's like renegotiating yeah, yeah. next year. He's trying to get a better deal. Also, also, the most telling thing about that whole thing was, uh, and Joe Adder, Patton's caddy, tweeted about it, was Kuchar using plastic tees. <laughs> <laughs> that was so on brand for him. But, um, but, 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 but like with Kuchar, it's like, and, and, and this is where you get the PGA Tour kind of infighting a little bit. You get the guys talking about the, oh well yeah the, you know of course we get the player relations guys calling us and we got to yank this down I'm like no like of course we don't want to yank this down like we're we're journalists man but it's like yeah but when you signed up to work for the pga tour like you kind of gave away some of that some of that leeway some of that Dude, it's independence a, it's hard i have gotten the call many times when i worked there i'm like yo so and so complained <laughs> like we got to take this down and it was uh, probably on some of your best yeah and i was always kind of like too, all right man. like uh, you know, I get it. Like, I'm not going to argue. Like, no, I, which to I this point, it. to this exact point is like what we talked about earlier with the Haney stuff. Like as ugly as that was, like controversy helps your sport. Like having an article up on ESPN.com. And I'm, I'm not saying this article was ESPN.com worthy or whatnot, but your your sport being talked about in a controversial way. People knowing Matt Kuchar's name is even if he's a villain, if he's the bad guy, people are it's going to be on people's radar rather than this super protected corporate world that is the PGA tour, like getting out there and getting people talking about it, even if it's positive, negative, having people take sides like, Oh, I thought he was right. Oh, I thought he was wrong. This is a great thing for your sport. <laughs> the short term vision of like the fact that anyone would think that this could affect Kuchar's marketability or corporate image or whatnot is somehow takes precedent over like the sport being interesting and talked about in a bigger it's scale. Also like they're adults. <laughs> <laughs> this was, this happened Seriously, this happened during the course of competition. 
Like yes, in, dude, one, if you're, in one of their yeah. premier events. What was the purse? Ten million bucks or something? Yeah. Nine point one million. Like, dude, if you want to play for nine point one million dollars, like yeah. yeah, we're gonna have cameras and on you. And you know you're on TV and you yeah. know the mics are on. Like, all right, like even if you know, like I don't even know if it's possible to figure out if he's right or wrong when he was he sounded yeah. like a jackass yeah. arguing <laughs> it, but that's a separate that's a separate issue. That's on him. But here's know? the part one of the parts that bothers me the most, maybe because it's the part that's tied to us the most, is that we have to jump through hoops to get and to do anything with a PGA Tour player, especially on-site, even off-site, we have to jump through hoops because the PGA Tour owns the media rights to the players. So if they own the media rights, why is that clip getting scrubbed from the internet? Are because, we supposed to pretend that didn't happen? Well, because they, the call's coming from inside the house. <laughs> because they, the people who own the media rights, are, are the, the players. players. Like, the whole organization is run by the players. And this is like, so the whole thing, like a lot of things with the PGA Tour, is like, Dude, I get it. Like, I understand why all these things work the way they do, but it also sucks. Like, both things can be true. And the what offends me, like, the most is when you just try to have it both ways. When you try to be like, oh, dude, we're going to be edgy. We're going to be pushing it. driven. We're pu- yeah, we're pushing the content. We're bringing a new audience into yeah. golf. We're doing all yeah. these things. But also, we're not changing at all. <laughs> As I'm like, dude, still going to be vanilla and exactly, and that's where I, and- I kind of respect the companies. Like, you know, won't name any because no free ads. But like, there's some companies that are exceedingly vanilla, who are who get made fun of for being exceedingly vanilla. But like, they're also kind of like, yeah, but also that's our brand and that's what works for us, and we're not going to change it. We're not going to like chase anything. We're not going to. We're not going to like grovel to and a new audience. Because, yeah, maybe that's a good one. But it's like, I almost respect those companies more. Where <laughs> It's like, you're not just, you're just not speaking out of both sides of your mouth. We are who we are and we've accepted yeah. that. And, but, but also I think with the tour, it, it's incumbent upon the players to a certain extent to, to also realize like, yeah, we're not going to protect the two or three guys that act like a dipshit each week. Right. And yeah. you just say, Hey, we're going to let guys like, but we're it's not, hard. Like we're not going to micromanage everything to where there's 156 guys in the field. It, you know, if two guys want to act like an asshole or like, cool, like let them learn the hard way and like treat them like adults. Don't, don't try to brush everything under the rug and just, and just act like everybody's this, this heaven sent angel. Well, and this wasn't even something that needed to be brushed under the rug. No, like it was, it was just a, like, he, yeah, it looked, Kucher looked bad in it, but like he was within the rules to request. The, I'd be pissed if I was one of the rules officials. Yeah. And that got taken down. They, and that got taken one down. Yeah. One of the three rules yeah, officials. Three <laughs> rules officials. <laughs> Which I think if we're you know, not getting the actual incident, I think his ball went in his own pitch mark, but I think he's kind of screwed himself the way he argued that. Yeah. I don't know. Well, we, Mark, Mark Allen screwed him up. You we're going, uh, we're going kind of long here. What do you guys want to kind of brush through, uh, some of, we didn't watch a ton of from Memorial this past week. It sucked. I really, this is the first time I haven't been there in like 20 years or something like we're that. We're going back next year. We got to go. Like, yeah. It was, it was, squad, it was just too much kind of going on for us and you'll see why in, in the coming weeks, hopefully. So, um, but Patrick Cantley. I mean, yeah, absolutely cold blooded. Yeah, I think he, you know, they are who we thought they were, right? Yeah, everybody. I think is. I, I think that came as a surprise to absolutely no one. Can Everyone's I give CBS some? For him to win. Can I give CBS some props? Sure. I think they've learned when to cut to one of Cantley's shots. They're That's getting true. better at not showing his full uh, routine before. He's very slow. But can we like well, anyone play? I think was a theme this week. It was a theme, but can we? Can we? Any tweet that has Cantley in it, can like the first twenty people that mention the slow play thing right away just all go away? <laughs> like just, just stop. Like we we know it. Like directing the tweet into the abyss on Twitter does nothing. Like it just let's let's move past that part of slow play Twitter. Um, 
so thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. So going back to the USGA a little bit because it also ties in with the memorial. Okay. The USGA penalized one player, <laughs> amateur, um, for slow play. She, but to be fair, I reading the reading the write up of the, like the summary they they gave. I don't know seven or eight players bad times. She was the only one that got a second bad time. All that taking it back to hey why why do these amateurs keep getting penalized? All right, they don't know how to modify their behavior but part of it is these pros don't need to modify their behavior because they're never called on it right like you know bryson gets gets a bad time this week and acts like a total dipshit like the stuff that he said about oh yeah but i walk faster than everybody else in the field missing the point dude like you're so missing the point if you walk faster like what is the fastest you could beat somebody to a green by 10 seconds like realistically and are we gonna should do a uh a time gained walking <laughs> stat. Strokes gained sick. walking. Yeah. Bryson leads the tour. So, um, you know, we're talking about like minute and a half to two minute long pre shot routines and stuff like that. The incident, the, the no, not one single person is out there being like the pros walk slowly from their ball to the next shot. Like, no one's saying that, Bryson. Like, you just, in, in my mind, Bryson indicted himself more on slow play by saying that, like, it basically admitted to being slow the rest of the game, but makes up for it by walking fast. Get. No. Well, that's Get where, out of here. I think a lot of this stuff comes back to the tour being owned by the players and and kind of the players being being the bosses a little bit, right? Like the players and the the I guess the board is technically Jay's boss, but I think a lot of this stuff is is like if there was somebody in the room, the USJ stuff is kind of the same, but somebody in the room that's just like, "Okay, cool. I hear you, but like tough shit. I I don't care." It's my decision. It's not your decision. Rather than just like, oh my god, I'm so sorry you feel that way. Let me. We're gonna get this. We're gonna get this taken care of. We're gonna. We're gonna. We're totally listening to you. We're gonna have a player. We're gonna have a player advisory. Whatever the fuck Jason Gore's title is, he's supposed to be like out on the range. Which Jason Gore is actually a great guy for that job, <laughs> I think, because uh, he's super friendly and everybody loves him. But like, just someone who like, it's like parenting almost. Like well, I'm not a parent for, for, but a, for a bunch like, of guys. Dude, just put your foot down and like start standing up to some of these guys. For a bunch of guys who are probably 95 percent very conservative like politically and I'm, I'm not bringing politics into this but i'm saying for a bunch of guys that workplace worldview is starkly different from that 95 <laughs> percent conservatism that's a good point and the, t- the tv contract distribution is a lot different as well um not too often over an hour into the pod does tiger get relegated to but t9 finished this week he was all around yeah, dead he solid. solid he was, he was very solid, solid. It wasn't one of those, just couldn't make any pots. He was just, he was 11th in strokes gained T to green and also 24th in putting. Um, I just wanted to look up what his finishes were in the Memorial um, in years that he won the U.S. Open. He won the Memorial <laughs> in 2000, which he won everything in 2000, so it doesn't mean much. Uh, T22 in 02, and he didn't play it in 08. I had, for, I had forgotten that he went from Masters to the U.S. Open without playing. Obviously, he had the broken leg. Yeah. So he's basically, this year he's going from... Masters to PGA to Memorial to US Open. Yeah, three out of four events played are majors. And we're supposed to care about the PGA Tour regular season. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's a victim of the... uh, He would have only played one more event if if he wasn't, I think... I don't know, fatigued or whatever reason he didn't play well. But at some point, it's like, all right, like you're still... They're still hanging their hat on this whole... Yeah, Tiger's back. Cool, like everything's everything's good. Like, yeah, but Tiger doesn't show up like two-thirds of the week. So, but... Maybe get a head start on like figuring out who the next guys are going to be or develop other personalities. Nope. Tiger, Tiger, Tiger. 
Um, Spieth, he, another strong finish. I don't really know how he's doing that. Uh, he struck it pretty poorly <laughs> this weekend. Uh, he was second in strokes gain around the greens and 10th in putting. I don't know how many more consecutive weeks he can do that, but I watched Thursday, Friday. Pretty he closely. struck it well he, the he first two well. days. Yeah. Do we, did anything happen this week? And we're going to do more U S open stuff leading up to it, but anything happened this week, make you guys change any way you think about the U S open. I think I, I, I put, think so. I put money on Spieth last night and yeah. I think, uh, He's like sixteen to one or eighteen to one, which I was like, "Cool, I'll throw twenty bucks on him yeah. just to lock that in." Because I think, I, I think his odds will probably decrease as we go into the week. I'd feel a lot better if he was doing it the opposite way. If he was striking the hell out of it and not making a bunch of putts, like leading up to it. I just don't know how well. You know, I don't know if his putting can, you know, carry him all the way through. Okay, ball striking. I think he's got to hit the shit out of it. But I think the the swing is more likely. Yeah, to come back. No, no, right? he's hitting Whereas it totally the fine. The putter was like the big concern all of. Like a lot of last year, or a lot yeah. of you know, towards the end of the year, and it's like, yo, like if even if he's striking the ball well, he's putted it totally fine all year this year, and it was the ball striking at the beginning of the year that was really poor, and it's coming. It is definitely trending in the right direction. It just hasn't really I like, gotten to that. I like the trend line. Yeah, like yeah he's not it, there yet. Yes, you know? correct. Yeah, it's do we? You know, I wouldn't expect him to finish top three at at the PGA. So who knows? Maybe he can fake it around. I don't want to say fake it around Pebble, yeah, but no, maybe I mean, he I can think, strike it around Pebble. I think a place where, he, if he's not hitting his irons great, I think going to a place where everybody's going to miss greens is probably good. You know, if he's putting his balls off, I think it's a good a good spot to be. I think he's in a he's in a great spot. I think Tiger's in a great spot. And Brooks is in a great spot. I don't. To answer your question, I don't think anybody... Kepka's uh, going to win. Still. I don't think anything... Nothing changed. <laughs> can you guys I mean, tell me... Can you guys tell me where... Uh, who's your pick? Who's where, your early pick? Oh, gosh. Fleetwood. Oof, I like that. I like that a lot. I'll, I'll pick Speed. I'm going to ride for Speed anyway, so I might as well pick. I'm going him. Matt Fitzpatrick. God, That's the good. disrespect for Kepka again. <laughs> I was just going to say, can you guys tell me where Brooks finished at the memorial? Did he play? He didn't, did he? No, he didn't. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, um, let's get to our shout outs here and let's uh, let's, let's steer this up. home. Well, I just want to give a shout out to a friend of the pod, Luke Guthrie. Three straight top tens on the web tour. Finished sixth this week. I think we talk, uh, we told Max Homa's story in a in great detail on this pod a lot and obviously had the big payoff with his win at wells fargo but i think luke's kind of been on a a similar trajectory there's similar age uh similar pedigree coming out of college similar struggles and uh luke definitely seems like he's he's back on his way up which is awesome excited to see him in greenville next week and i think luke the top tens were probably the worst he could have finished based on the way he's hitting the ball yeah exactly um i want to give a shout out to guido Migliozzi, sure. who won the Belgian knockout this weekend. Second win of the year on the Euro Tour. Also knocked off the magical Kenya Open earlier this year. Um, he is a total menace, I'm told, and uh, <laughs> should be an NIU fave. I'm, I'm told. I'm so I'm he told. He rolls his own cigarettes all day. Uh, high DGAF vibe. So I'm going to look out for Guido next time. I don't Where's know, he from? Euro Tour event. I'm pretty sure he's from Italy. I, I was going to, well, I didn't want to be, you know, I didn't want to assume. Never uh, go full Hank Hayes. Exactly. Make you guys, I'm paying you guys into that one. I want to give a shout out to uh, the Stanford Cardinal. And oh, huge. Coach Conrad Ray for uh, Stanford out. winning the national championship this past week. That was so fun to watch. Um, just tremendous brog. I think it's kind of something we talked about earlier in the week, but something that the golf channel invested in several years ago and it's continued to improve on every single year. And I, I hope I have no idea what drives ratings. I don't know if this is a moneymaker for them or not, but I just want to give a shout out to something that I think is truly a great value add to the game of golf that they do in that coverage. Um, but some people were butthurt about Oklahoma state losing in match play after just beating the shit out of everyone <laughs> in stroke play. 
I totally disagree. I think they knew the format all year long and it added so much to the excitement. It's like a playoff, you know, and Tampa Bay Lightning had what the best regular season ever this past year and they got swept by the Blue Jackets. That's the playoffs. Listen, I'm an Atlanta Braves fan. Yeah. Listen, so. (laughs) How many times the Braves have been unreal in the regular (laughs) season and lost in the playoffs? I resigned myself to that a long time ago. The only counter to that. Even though I'm with you. Yeah. The only counter to that is like, that would be like if the Braves played all the regular season and then they played basketball for the playoffs. Like it <laughs> Not is a, quite. It's a completely different format for... It is. For one day, 18 holes. Still got to hit the golf shot. Play. You do, of course. I, and I still agree. I think match play is totally better, but I think the the best argument on the other side is like, you play stroke, literally like stroke play all day, every day. Is Oklahoma State the best one team? round of match play. Everyone determines. When you beat a, when you beat a school by 40 shots. Yeah. <laughs> no, of course. Everyone agrees that they are the best team in college Correct. golf. Maybe like yeah. one of the best teams in the history of college yes. golf. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like the Super Bowl. Best team doesn't always win. Correct. Sure. I thought, I would have thought people would have been, it would have been a bigger deal when they did get beat. But um, yeah, shout out to them. That's really all I've got for shout can I, can I? Can we talk about the blessings real quick? <laughs> <laughs> that place was outrageous. <laughs> what made it so outrageous for you? I don't know, man. It I was really just, enjoyed it was watching like, it. It was like Rich Harvest Farms on the most potent HGH in the world. Probably <laughs> the stuff that that Tyson Foods guy that owns the place is pumping his chickens full of. <laughs> I mean, seriously, there was some, like, you're watching it and you're like, like, what? <laughs> I, I didn't realize a lot of it until, and I think TV just has a way of doing this. I, I didn't realize a lot of the absurdity until I went on Google earth and like started actually like measuring things. And I was like, Oh my God, I would shoot 160. Here. Like it looks normal when Matt Wolf is. Playing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's what I mean. That's, that's where, and, and even when Matt Wolf is like carrying some of those like force carries by 30 yards or something, I'm like, God, what is everybody else doing? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But also I'm a little bit bummed for the coming years. They're moving it out to Phoenix or Scottsdale for the next three yeah. years. I think that's a little bit of the flavor. It moves yeah, around every I year. Agree. We wouldn't have gotten the guy out at Eugene country clubs, the, the chef standing <laughs> on the roof. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to reserve judgment until we see it, I guess. But it, it could be one of those things where like, who knows what happens, you know, to TV and the tournament and all that stuff. If it doesn't go to a, to one location, maybe that stuff changes, but yeah, I agree. I think in the desert it's going to be a little sterilized, but we'll see. One, one more quick one to me. Uh, Beth Ann Nichols, uh, I think a lot of the stuff we learned about the U.S. Women's Open this week was from her reporting on the ground. She did a great story uh, about our champion. So uh, just check out her her work always if you're looking to learn more about the women's game. At Golf Week. At Golf Week, yes. Uh, I, got a th- I got a triple header here. K.H. <laughs> Lee shot 79 today. Uh, just in keeping with the Lee theme, he actually played a partner with Sick our of friend, all these Lees on the Matt Every uh, in New Orleans. Every said he carried him for a couple of days, and this is a big reason why Every was able to get in the field at Trinity and finish second and basically lock up his card for this year, which is sweet. Uh, but he's a stud. I really, really, really enjoyed watching him on Thursday and Friday. Canadian Open this week. Uh, big fan of National Opens. Hamilton is going to be a really, really cool spot. Um, so I think everybody should tune in for that. And then we got U.S. Open sectional qualifying tomorrow. One of the best days of the year. I agree. Wild. Um, you know, as always, we've got the big, big site up in Columbus, Brookside, and then uh, Sciota. Sciota. Yeah. And there's one at Streamsong Black, <laughs> yeah, which, which is, should be on TV. It's so good. <laughs> oh, that's going to be cool. Um, it's going to be so freaking hot we're, we're going off to greenville this week otherwise i'll probably go down there and, and watch for a day um and then zach's playing up at springfield this year which i guess they get five spots up at springfield old donald ross where my mom grew up springfield Huge. ohio so and 
Also to note, um, uh, as part of the year-long race for the FredEx Cup, uh, <laughs> the top two in the standings going into this week are myself and DJ Pi. And we have earned berths into the BMW Charity Pro-Am. Sponsors in invites. Sponsors <laughs> invites uh, to the Charity Pro-Am. DJ is playing with Zach Blair. I'm playing with one of our young hitters, Brian Ritchie. And, the self-proclaimed uh, best putter alive. Yes, and uh, we get, we're going to have plenty of content coming from this week up in Greenville. Really looking forward to you that got, one. Uh, you have Randy on the bag? I got Randy on the bag, so yeah, the Strat Boys are going to be <laughs> how do you How do you feel about that? Is that- uh, you know, I just want them to stay hydrated and just have a good time. That's really the, the main yeah, goal. It's going to be hot. Strat Keep pumping them full of water. It, I could, got- it could harken back to the days of the franchise on the bag. Exactly. I've got, uh, I got Icarito on the bag. Uh, we do have two full-size staff bags that the Strat Boys are going to be <laughs> lugging around uh, the greater Greenville area. So if anyone is out in Greenville uh, this week, I don't know, obviously, when we're playing or where we're playing Yet, but we'll we'll keep you abreast of those details. Are lasers allowed in the pro? That's, great, that's a question for my caddy. I don't I'm just saying. I think you, no. you should probably make sure that they are because I don't want to know what Icarito is clubbing you. <laughs> that's a good point. In the heat, ball's gonna be jumping. Yeah, I don't know. I, this is a little bit too much. Like last year, I came in really hot to Greenville last year, and I played like ass. <laughs> I'm a little bit hot. That's just a lack of experience. Okay. All right. We have one final voicemail, and we're gonna quickly wrap it after that. Hey, boys, this is Sean from Minnesota. Uh, we keep hearing about all these trips you've been on, out to Ireland, California, um, and we don't seem to have anything to show for it. I don't know if this is some ploy for you boys to keep uh, going wherever the hell you want to, but, I mean, you talk about how CBS's coverage is unsustainable. I think something's up on your end because this doesn't seem sustainable either. Appreciate it. <laughs> We're working on yeah, it. Yeah, we're, we're working on it, guys. Uh, no, I'm very, very, very excited uh, to announce, I guess. Yeah, let's do it. Tour Sauce, Season 3, California, L.A. to San Francisco in the big-ass RV. Uh, episode 1 comes out June 18th, uh, which is a Tuesday, I believe. We'll all uh, we'll all watch it together. It'll be it'll be fun. If you've never you know if you've never caught one of our we don't do a real good job of like actually explaining the, some of the video stuff we do on on this podcast. But uh, Tour Sauce is our travel series. Uh, it'll be nine or ten episodes, I believe, this time around. Uh, they're all probably eighteen to twenty five minutes long. Um, and yeah, we'll show off some different golf courses. We've got some different games we're playing. We've got some celebrity appearances. First what a trip tease. That, first trip that all five of us have been on. First yeah. one all five of us have been on. Um, so yeah, check that out on our YouTube channel. We're going to have a trailer going up uh, on Tuesday, I believe. And a podcast that comes out. And with a that. podcast that comes out with it, breaking down all the courses we played in California. So um, look out for that. And if you haven't seen all the other stuff we do on YouTube, there's a shitload of it now. It's kind of... Uh, starting to grow quickly so yeah go go check out the first two seasons of that get caught up on tourist sauce and then look for the new one uh june 18th there you have it let's wrap it at that thanks everybody for tuning in cheers cheers crack on be the right club be the right club today honey that's better than most how about him That is better than most. Better than most!